Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Bonnie D. in the house. I never remember if I said this was the future or that, so we're just going to go as I upset my microphone. Up, that's where the future is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can't say it 10 times. I'll be exhausted. This is week two of my eighth annual Crystal Ball Prediction Special. We have a packed house today. I am so thrilled that 10 very smart, very savvy, very future-looking futurists have joined me. You're in for a treat and a array of predictions on so many topics. Just count them if you dare. So I just want to also welcome, we have a special sponsor who joined us last week. It's NordPass Business, and I'll be giving a special offer to try their service for free about 20 minutes into the show, and it's going to be a free offer to all of my panelists and all of our viewers on LinkedIn and Facebook and our listeners on Voice America Business. My panel, please wave hello to LinkedIn and Facebook. Everybody say hi. There we go. So let me go ahead and give you my opening and let's see where we are. So here we go. Well, I have a bunch of quotes. You know, I love to do that opening with quotes. And I have a quote from Dory, the forgetful blue tang voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, the movie Finding Nemo, 2003 computer animated adventure film. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. I wonder if that's a prediction anybody's going to use today. Then I have one by Hobie. Gary likes that. I have one by Hobie Doyle, played by Alden Ehrenreich, and the movie was Hail Caesar. It was a comedy by the Coen brothers in 2016, six years ago. And the quote is, were that it were so simple. Think about that in your predictions. Uh-huh. He couldn't say it right, and they had to redo the scene. It's a very, very funny comedy if you haven't seen it. Now I have one from Hagrid, played by Robbie Coltrane in... You all know this. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Tooth that Carrie knows this. I'm sorry to pick on you, Carrie, but you're in the middle of my screen there. 2001 fantasy film. You're a wizard, Harry. Okay, forgot. Drop the H. That's the way they do. Brad's in, in London. He can verify that that's a bona fide British accent. And then I have one of my favorite quotes of all time. Inconceivable, said by Vizzini, the Sicilian bully, played by the wonderful actor Wallace Shawn, who's also in Young Sheldon on TV. The Princess Bride, 1987 romance adventure film. So if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball, come on, it's December. What? 14th, 2022. We want to know what's coming because we didn't know what was coming this year in 20. 2022 after surviving and we all did gratefully 2019 2020 2021 and here we are we've got the next best thing i've got 10 futurists somebody please turn off your alerts 10 futurists today who are going to share they're of the 60 i'm presenting in my six-week special the exciting technology strategies and trends that can help listen as your business your career your industry, your community, your family, and the world we're thinking big thrive in 2023 and beyond. So to our listeners and viewers, pour yourself a cup of Joe, I say a mug of Joe, a cup of Earl, and you have to have the right temperature for a right Brad Wright in London. It's very temperature driven how they make their tea. You might have a glass of Jack, although it's a little early. It's the middle of the night for Sandy, middle of the morning, and Brad, it's late in the afternoon. And, or a flute of Dom if you're opening the champagne bubbly yet. And join us for Technology Revolution, the future of now 2023, Crystal Ball Predictions, week two, live together. 
Let's make 2023 a hell of a lot better than 2022 was, although we're coming out of that tunnel. So let me tell you who my special guests are. Just wave when I call your name. I'm going to give a quick bio, and then we'll get started with predictions. Chuck Byers is up first. He's Associate Chief Technology Officer of the Industry IoT Consortium and CTO of Valkyrie, V-A-L-Q-A-R-I, LLC. He works on edge computing, common platforms, media processing systems, drones. He's always here on my drone show and the Internet of Things. Chuck only has 120 U.S. patents. I don't know why he's just been so terribly lazy. Chuck, I wish you'd get your mojo going and, and do something with your life. Okay, Chuck, always oh, delighted to have, <laughs> have you on the show. We're doing a show on patents in a couple of weeks, by the way, the, the future of patents, which will be interesting. Carrie Brown is here. Carrie is with Salona. She is a customer transformation advisor. Carrie is an international speaker and an expert advisor who is passionate, I can say that, Carrie, on the future of work on change management, which is affecting every company in every way, learning and workforce adoption for diverse occupational cultures and industries. Carrie, so happy to see you. Thank you for joining us today. We have Najit Basin. Hello, Najit. Wave hello. He's a veteran entrepreneur and an active angel investor. His company, Numine, N-E-W-M-I-N-E, -N -E, in 2017 launched the retail industry's first returns prevent prevention SaaS solution to help retailers reduce product returns and bring clarity to the returns performance. So if all of you get a Christmas or Hanukkah or, or some other kind of holiday gift and you return it, the retailer might be using... No mind software to figure out who you are and come after you. No, I'm only joking. Charles Brakefield, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, Charles, forgive me. Charles Brakefield is with us. Charles is an architect at Frontier Communications, a novelist. We can see some of his gazillion novels behind him, the Enigma Gamer, Broker, Factor, Rising, Ignite, all of that interesting stuff. He's been a chief technologist of the emerging system integrators, and he has advised Fortune 100 organizations. Charles, we're so happy to see you. Sandy Davies is here. It's two o'clock in the morning in Australia. Sandy, you're a brave person. She's a women's wellness advocate and the author of Courage and Confidence, published this year in March by Women Making a Difference Press. She's the formulator of the award-winning Happy Pause Bomb. I'm just going to leave that there. Carrie and I can figure out what that does. Brian Kalish is with us. He's a principal of Kalish Consulting, a senior executive advisor at the new NEU Group in New York City, an adjunct professor at Florida International University in Miami. I hear they have great concerts there, by the way, and speaks on issues facing Treasury and FP&A professionals. Brian, wave hello. There you are. We have Brad Borkin with us. Brad, I've known Brad for years. He did several radio series with me when he was at SAP. He's an award-winning author and speaker. He's the co-author of When Your Life Depends On It, chronicles the early Antarctic explorers' life and death decisions like, okay, all of you, if you had one, one chocolate bar and two crackers and you had 10 men in a team with a blinding snow, with snow drifts that nobody could get over and around, you had no communications, you had no cell phones, no cell towers, who would get the cracker and the chocolate bar and who would survive and get back to the outpost. So think about that. Brad is also the author of Audacious Goals, Remarkable Results, How an Explorer, an Engineer, and a Statesman Shaped Our Modern World. Brad is in London. Brad, welcome. Lovely to see you. Jeffrey Castleman is here very bravely. He is, he is dealing with, with shutting down of computers and all kinds of things, but you're here and he's on his phone. He's a partner and senior VP workplace strategy for CRG, a Clayco company. And he is the founder and CEO of OP2MIZE, OP2MIZE Energy, a strategy energy procurement firm 
He calls himself an innovation-minded business futurist. I like that, Jeffrey. Thank you for joining us. Bill Newman, the wine guy, the car guy, the plane guy. Today, he's our wine guy. We needed a wine guy on the show, Bill. He's a tech and manufacturing advisor by day, and he's a wine enthusiast and beverage influencer by night. Let's see if he has his beverage cape on today. There you are, Bill. And Bill is an orange farmer. He is an orange cello maker, and he is the proprietor of Stonewood Wine Merchants and Stonewood Farms. There you go. Wondering if you have any good bubbly left for people, Bill. We'll talk about that later. And last, of course, but not least, is the brilliant Don Deloach. Don, wave hello. He's an Internet of Things thought leader. He's an author, CEO. And most importantly, he's the managing partner and co-founder of Rocket Wagon Venture Studios, focusing on bringing cyber-physical solution startups from the MVP stage to commercialization. And everybody, keep your predictions to three and a half minutes because Don needs his time too. So if anything happens, if you go long, you're going to have to deal with Don. Let's get started. I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view, Mr. Chuck Byers, and let's get your three and a half minutes. Let's kick off the party. Welcome, Chuck. All right. Thanks, Bonnie. Always a pleasure to be here talking to your excellent audiences. Uh, most of my predictions are geek level uh, about things related to technology, computer networks, and so forth. I'm just going to dive in and get as far as I can get. Uh, I think the Internet of Things is going to proliferate to the point where smart buildings, smart cities, smart factories, uh, smart transportation, healthcare, and all that stuff's all connected together in a cohesive whole. I think that by the end of 23, pretty much any place you sit, you're going to be within arm's length of at least a dozen IoT devices, some of them on or in your person, others sprinkled throughout the landscape. Uh, second thing is about 5G, uh, the five-generation cellular network. That build-out is uh, going to hit its stride and and probably get to the point where we're covering most of the population centers by the end of this with really good, really high-capacity 5G. I think that fiber optic networking is also going to get cranking up faster so that we'll have fiber optics closer to the endpoints, which means that those 5G cells getting slow when there's too many people using them uh, might be a mitigated problem. I think we'll see autonomous cars and trucks making slow progress, slower than everybody hopes it will, but I suppose it's the right thing for society to make sure we get it right before we've got bunches of steering wheel-less manic machines running all over the place. So uh, I think that uh, this might be a year of a bit of a pause in the deployment rollout, uh, speculative uh, buying of that stuff. Um, we'll certainly see lots of trials running, but in terms of volume deployment, I think that might be more of a 2024 thing. Uh, I think that we'll also see demonstrations of air taxis and vertiports. You've seen the pictures all over the place of these eight, eight uh, helicopter rotor things that haul four people from the city center to the airport. Um, I think that, that there will be a couple of versions of air taxis certified for human service. And we will see a few well-publicized demonstrations, but nothing that's going to reduce the uh, amount of congestion on the Kennedy between Chicago and O'Hare, at least not for a while, certainly not this coming year. Uh, but but the technology is rapidly maturing to the point where I think by the middle of this year, uh, next year, I'll be willing to jump on one and take a little ride. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, uh, smart, smart cities and smart buildings are going to integrate additional subsystems, the security, energy, uh, all kinds of environmental comfort, uh, convenience, and entertainment features. Uh, that's going to continue to grow. 
Uh, edge computing is going to be very hot among the exciting technologies that we think about. So take the stuff that we do on the cloud today and shove it to lots of little computers sprinkled around the landscape. That's a technology that is potentially going to supplant cloud in some applications. And if you don't know about edge computing and you think the world is in the cloud, starting next year, we'll see that the world is partially at least in the edge. And that's a really important trend we should keep our eyes on. Drones are gonna hit their stride, especially because this year we expect the Federal Aviation Administration to do something about the so-called BVLOS beyond visual line of sight regulations. The relaxation of those regulations, as soon as that happens, as soon as we don't have to have a human with eyeballs on the drone and hands on the stick, we can automate all that stuff and drones are gonna just take off literally and figuratively <laughs> in lots of different ways. Uh, cybersecurity and privacy is going to continue to be a problem. I expect certain governments will overreact to those problems, and that overreaction might actually hamper growth in several vertical markets. Uh, so, um, you know, measured response to the real cybersecurity threats, but don't get paralyzed by your fear of cybersecurity threats. Uh, that's a, a prediction and a plead, I suppose. Um, and finally, I think artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to get good enough to start replacing the next wave of, of knowledge workers, kind of the same way that travel agents might have been largely replaced last year or previous years. I think we're going to start seeing folks who you know run around with clipboards and, and wrangle databases being replaced more and more by artificial intelligence. Hopefully, they'll get retrained and do something else. That's it. Thanks. Chuck, thank you. I don't think there's a, there's an, is there anything he didn't predict? Is there any area he didn't touch on? Great start to the show. Thank you very much. Carrie Brown, you're up next. Go for it. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm going to change gears. I'm going to go a bit towards people. So I'll rave from the techie side. But Chuck, you know, I, I think you're right that the intelligence and the knowledge around technology has grown and we've all lived through that. So we've learned some boundaries. So for people, I'd say what's coming is the experience and continuing to grow as the experience and specifically around as we figure out hybrid and how much we go to work, how much we don't go to work. My prediction is we will make work like an offsite. So when we used to get together and do something purposeful offsite, we'll now get together and do something purposeful onsite. So that also leads into the last piece around that, which is trust. So we've learned a lot of trust and we're gonna to continue to learn how to have better KPIs, better performance management, better visibility for everybody, both worker and employer to understand we've got the right trust and the right relationship. If I look at the market, certainly we've seen inflation, we've seen housing prices, we've seen jobs changes. What I would say is we'll see some normalization. So the musical chairs we've seen of people from company to company, I think will change and shift to a bit more normalization, a bit more sitting still. Having said that, I think we'll keep seeing a lot of musical chairs inside companies because we've got such a huge continued boom change of people coming through, boomers leaving, millennials coming in, Gen Xers are still here. So Bonnie knows my joke. I used to say that the Prince Charles generation was what we call Gen X because we'd never be king. Well, Prince Charles is now king. So the world has moved on. But when you look at people, though, we're really seeing new managers, new leaders, new roles. So the musical chairs will continue inside companies. And to me, that means we're going to see a lot more learning, a lot more help of people in their roles as they get in to get time to productivity and visibility on how to do things. So technology comes into your point of machine learning and AI to help support the man and machine, to nudge us and wizard us into what we're doing. If I look at how we're gonna help with that too, um, I happen to have gone to Salonis and that was a thing I did, but it really seems to be a thing. 
And so data, it's amazing how much more information we have around how we work, when we work, what we're doing, and things we talked about five years ago and the real visibility we wanted that was kind of wishful thinking is there now. I was interesting last week, I was at, uh, I was keynoting for the the International Association of CPAs. So I was talking to 100 CFOs and audit officers, and they're responsible for how we audit. And they're completely changing the way we audit as we know it. You think of the kind of forensic information we can get and provide. Technology is really giving us different choices around AI machine learning, regardless of who it's for. And I'd say we're going to get smarter and smarter at how to apply that both for talent and for technology so that we're really getting the outcomes that we aimed for and dreamt of a few years ago, but they're becoming real. So in summary, a lot of trust, fewer musical chairs, and a lot more smartness coming from computers to make us better at our jobs every day. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you very much. That's the people side. Now, let's see where Navjeet is going to go. I think people and tech combined. Navjeet, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, uh, people without tech and tech without people doesn't make sense, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, the first one is AI, embedded AI, whatever we want to call it, right? I mean, that's going to be table stakes. I mean, that's essentially helping us as humans to perform even better, be more productive. So AI, whether anybody wants to use AI, machine learning, or any of those terms, I think those are going to be table stakes for any technology, any software out there. Because at the end of the day, technology got to make humans perform better. Now, that's uh, the first one. Second, I think, you know, talking about people, right, or the generations, the next generation, the teens of today, the people in their 20s are the ones who are going to be pushing the sustainability agenda forward faster. Every company, every public company, at least that I know of, talks about ESG in their mission. But how true is that today? You know, it's a lot talk versus reality. But I can tell you the next generation is the one who's going to be pushing it, pushing the boundaries of ESG and making it real. And uh, hey, uh, uh, Bonnie, you had asked about sports as well. And I think, you know, in terms of sports, uh, a lot of the status quo is going to be challenged and we are already starting to see it in golf. And again, I don't mean to pick pick on live golf, but I think overall, you know, all sports, whether it is soccer or football or golf, we're going to see a lot of changes happening over there as well. And technology is the backbone of any changes happening out there. And last and not the least, you know, since I am in the retail space, retailers are waking up to the problem of returns. All of us, you know, the 11 of us on this uh, call today, all of us are returners as well, right? But retailers don't make money on returns. No matter how anybody slices it, dices it, or sugar coats it, returns are a drain for the retailers. And retailers are going to be waking up in 2023 that, hey, returns can happen forever. So that's going to be challenging the status quo with respect to the retail industry. Bonnie, back to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I did a show on uh, retail returns called Many Happy Returns. I don't think anybody here was on that show recently. And we talked, uh, that's right, that's the one you you couldn't make, Najid. I think you you were not well that day. And we talked about how do retailers sell at a point where people don't want to return, where they're happy. How do we get people to buy, I'm going to say just buy smarter, buy more 
accurately what we want? Is it the descriptions? Is it the pictures? Is it, I don't know what it is. Is it the price point? There has to be a way where we can buy and be happy. I'm sorry. I think that's, and everybody will be happier. So thank you very much, Navjeet. And I'm yeah. glad you're well. And, and give my regards to the people who work with you have been very, very kind to speaking with me when you weren't able to show up. Charles Brakefield, you're up next. What do you say? Madam, thank you. And uh, what a, a, a an intimidating group of uh, of uh, colleagues and uh, experts that uh, um, I'm. Hopefully, my uh, my predictions are going to uh, uh, be well received, as uh, what I'm hearing uh, from uh, uh, my colleagues here. So um, we'll just go into it. Prediction number one: We expect that the uh, the emerging uh, technologies of the metaverse, colliding with online gaming companies, to produce. A whole new way of uh, delivering immersive stories to the general population. Um, I understand that the uh, the metaverse technology is an enabler, and it's uh, it follows that it uh, it's got to be grouped with advanced storytelling techniques coupled with immersive gaming technology. This approach can provide better storytelling uh, material, virtual existence that readers and players can join via augmented reality. So um, think of it as a, uh, uh, a mashup of uh, technologies to be able to take storytelling to a new platform, a new, uh, uh, a new opportunity for uh, people to be engaged, uh, not just uh, reading or listening, but um, visualizing themselves in um, a story like uh, the Dragon Riders of Pern, you can, where you're, you're, you've, uh, you've, mount, you've got, uh, you've picked up your dragon and you've, uh, and you're, you're taking it uh, uh, along with the, uh, uh, the, what the storyteller had in mind. So um, these are the kind of things that we see uh, taking storytelling to the new, new platform, new levels, and that's, uh, um, that's a, it, it's, it's still in its infancy. There's still some, uh, some false steps. Uh, a couple of companies have already stubbed their toes trying to uh, bring it to market. Um, but I think what they've missed is that they, uh, they, they haven't uh, partnered with the other companions that they need to. Okay, prediction number two. And this is a little on the frosty side, so uh, I'll go ahead and uh, you know preface it by uh, saying that uh, um, we predict that uh, Elon Musk will make good on his statement of launching a, an alternative phone to the duopoly held by uh, Google and, uh, and Apple. We predict that the mighty Musk, being the entrepreneur and contrarian that he is, will bring to market a compelling alternative cellular phone but not battery dependent, but powered by gasoline. It's going to be uh, going with gasoline powered phones rather than using batteries will remove any conflict of interest issues with Tesla's board of directors. Um, remember, you heard it first on Bonnie's show here. <laughs> Charles has added, <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that. And I was having my finger on the mute button because we don't get political. But that was a gas power. Wow. Look what the gas industry is going to say to that. Uh, Sandy, you're up next on deck. Charles, Charles thank you. But I'm going to take a break here and, and do an ad for our sponsor who has so graciously agreed to, to fund this show. So as I promised you a little bit about NordPass, it's a platform where your companies Digital wealth is managed. Think about that. Data, 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 digital, digital. You're all on screen. I'm going to ask you all to join me in this. So how often do you, I'm looking at all of my 10 guests, store your passwords in a notebook? Mm, do I see any fingers raising up? On a sticky note? 
No, no, you're all very good. Or scattered on work computers, you know where, where are these and these? Okay, well, you know who you are anyway. Uh, a 2019 Ubico survey, Y-U-B-I-C-O, reported that employees spend 11 hours a year resetting their passwords. How many times has anybody, I know, how many of you have spent even one hour resetting passwords this year? Ah, two hours, three hours, taking a poll here. Okay. This could mean a productivity loss for a big company of up to five and a half million dollars. OMG. With NordPass, all your credentials are saved in one secure place with one click. We love one click solutions. Usernames and passwords will populate automatically when you need them, but only when you need them. Number two, here's my second favorite feature. You can keep your sensitive information updated and safe and make collaboration easy. Carrie, doesn't everybody want to collaborate among teams? Isn't that the idea? How are your updated credentials, your alarm codes, your pins, your Wi-Fi password stored and shared? Well, if you got to send something by email or text message, it's wasting time. It leads to long threads back and forth. No. With NordPass, your confidential information can be saved securely in one place and accessed and updated by others as needed. It takes away the bottlenecks that stall your deadlines. You can share an unlimited number of digital entry points and you can assign them to select colleagues for immediate action. Number three, this is going to impact all of you. I don't care where you work and what you do. They'll help you detect data breaches early. Everybody go, wow. Come on. I want to hear a wow. Wow. Okay. Who should be the first? Come on, Navjeet. Wow. wow. You can do there you go. Who should be the first? If you discover a data breach, and I'll tell you in, in your company, should you tell a customer? Should you tell a competitor? Should you tell the news media? No, I don't think so. Uh, in 2022, this year, Ponemon, P-O-N-E-M-O-N Institute reported that it takes businesses, I was shocked by this, 212 days on average to identify a breach. Can you imagine? A year is 365, 212 mm -hmm. days. Reducing this can save you millions in, in damages and costs. NordPass helps identify the vulnerabilities early. They have one of the most robust breach scanners on the market. It's called NordPass Breach Monitoring. How appropriate. It proactively scans the web 24-7 for breaches to your company credentials, your payment data, your domains, your emails, and notifies you in real time. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Everybody say, yes, it would be. Chuck likes that. And one last feature I'm really fond of, give and revoke access effortlessly during employee onboarding and departing. Carrie, this is appropriate for you. How many people have had an employee leave a company or have you left a company or onboarded? And how long does it take to get your all your credentials up? And worse, how many times have any of you left a company and you can still get in? And <laughs> we know. Okay. A survey by Strong DM said 57% of organizations took days or months to offboard. Offboard. That means they're gone. You need to cut the cord there. Technical employees and a 2021 Beyond Identity Survey found that one in four people, now we've got 10 here, that means two and a half of you, were able to log in, I don't know who the half is, log into accounts from your previous jobs, accessing data they should not see, okay? With NordPass, you can give and remove access to system software and sensitive data in moments. When an employee leaves, cut their access and reassign it to an active employee. Here's the deal. Would you all like to get a three-month free trial to NordPass Business? Everybody say yes. Three-month free yeah. trial. We like free. Okay. Here's the here's where you go. www, I have to say that, NordPass, N-O-R-D-P-A-S-S dot com forward slash the word future, F-U-T-U-R-E, because this is technology revolution, the future of now radio. The code, when they ask you for a code, it's future, 
F-U-T-U-R-E, all in caps. That's how you get your 30-day free trial. Thank you very much to NordPass. And let's continue with our predictions. Sandy Davies, thanks for your patience. You're up, Sandy. Talk to me. Yeah, good day, Bonnie. Good day, everyone. I've loved listening to everyone so far. There's just so much to gain. I'm kind of going to go down more of the human path, I suppose. Um, for me, I loved earlier this year talking about gratitude and mental health in relation to tech with you. So gratitude is going to be my first cab off the rank for my 2023 predictions. And I love that you referenced the Nemo movie because that, you know, just keeps swimming that Dory sings. Me too. It is spot on. And when life gets you down, you've got to keep swimming. But one of the things I love with that movie as well is that Nemo was smart enough to know when to rest and catch his breath as well. And some of us have started to forget to do that in all of the hustle of recovering and coming out of the pandemic. So I do think that 2023 is going to bring even more burnout and work-related mental health stress. We're beginning to see that emerge in Australia now as a trend. So while we've got to keep swimming, we also need to engage more mindfulness apps and action those annoying iWatch reminders to breathe and move beyond our desks and just get up and keep moving. And with tech or without, this has got to be a little bit more than just one of those passing New Year's resolutions. We have diligently got to start each day with three things we're grateful for just to keep our mental health in that tip-top shape. Shape. It can even be something little. Um, but we need to keep on practicing not only gratitude, but continual kindness to our workmates and the people around us. And we need to be there for others when we start to see them disengage in the workplace. Prevention, be it by the growing number of mental health apps or through human engagement, it is far better than waiting until we are in the full throes of a global mental health crisis. And I do hope we're all going to become more aware of the value in switching off a little bit every day. There is a growing trend now among female Australian CEOs and business leaders to truly disengage and totally switch off from tech for a few hours each day. And we don't realize how fast tech just keeps our minds spinning in high alert mode until we force ourselves to switch off on a regular basis. The results in the workplace can be life-changing. And then my final crystal ball, mm, it's the breakup with Zoom. I tell you, even though that innovation kept us all going through the pandemic and we are here today doing a video meet, the writing is on the wall and our employers, especially the large multinationals, the trend in Australia is they are saying here, they want our bums back in seats instead of zooming in. And the big push in Australia now is that being present at work is better for our engagement, it's better for sharing knowledge, for collaborative growth and for our connectedness to others. And, you know, I guess we're all yearning for a little bit more human interaction, both in work and our personal lives. And just to roll out now to finish off, I loved in Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler's monologue, where he talks about how he wins. Now, we may not be athletes, but we do know our game. And we all know in this space here how to win. So in 2023, we just got to utilize that AI and that tech that helps us win but find the right balance so we don't lose that human connection that we all need more than ever before. So 2023, don't forget to love yourself first to ensure that you're at the top of the game and giving everyone else your best as well. 
Sandy Dave. Would everybody just give her a round of applause? We we got back to the human, the the people part. We we're all talking about tech and yes, gratitude, be kind, show up. I like the bums and chairs. And thank you for referencing the Australian female CEOs. That was interesting. Glad to hear they're there. We need more around the world, right? Right, everybody. Let's go to Brian Kalish. Brian, let's get some financial updates, some financial predictions. Go ahead. Well, absolutely. But you said it was predictions and you said what was, you know, on the table and off the table. So no one's done this yet. So I'm going to throw out my uh, five sports predictions for 23. <laughs> so I'm going to we're in the midst of the World Cup. I'm going to be an outlier. Probably I'm going to I'm rooting for Morocco. But when we go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs with the World Series. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. With the NBA, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors and uh, complete homer with the uh, hockey. I'm going to go with the Washington Capitals. Um, but it's really a pleasure to be here. Sandy, thank you so much for, you know, just reminding us that at the end of the day, we're all humans and the human component and, and, and Carrie was talking that and the technology is important too. So, you know, my four predictions that I was thinking as I talked to CFOs around the world, number one, and it's been touched on, is the, is the talent retention and, and acquisition. That's going to be, it's a systemic challenge, certainly in the United States. Uh, we have more open jobs than we have people. Uh, it's been touched on. We've got the boomers that are leaving. That's just a demographic and the group behind them is smaller. Um, and how you keep people engaged. And part of that it, it's been touched on is, is making work interesting, right? So a lot of it is whether it's RPA and just getting you know low IQ activities off the plates of high IQ people, getting better technology, making the job more engaging and interesting you know, really leveraging technology to say, come work for us. You're not going to be spending time, you know, doing data acquisition, reconciliation and verification uh, in Excel. We've got some cool tools to work on. So I think that's that's not going to go away. It'll probably be a year from now. We'll still be talking about uh, attracting talent. Uh, then moving kind of the next point would be um, into forecasting. And that's just going to continue to be a challenge. Uh, the cadence it is, is slower than I think where we were in, in 20 and 21, but still there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, if you think about what everyone's plan looked like at the beginning of the year, most of us probably didn't have a conflict in Europe um, built into our models and the changes and the impacts that would have on the supply chain. So we're still operating in this world that we call Volca, very high Volca which is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. I don't think that's going to change in 23. Maybe it'll come down a notch or two, and we'll understand the world a little bit better. But that's still going to be uh, uh, very important. And so organizations are going to be looking to improve their, their models, but also getting much closer to their, their data, their, what's really happening in the organization in live time. I think investment in digital transformation, financial transformation, that's going to continue. And then really just in the, the time that I have left, I think we're really going to start seeing a big focus on moving beyond automation or uh, high automation or even hyper automation to moving to autonomous finance. And what's interesting, when we move to autonomous and really utilizing technology, getting even to the point where the technology is telling people what they should be doing. When you talk to CFOs, they all believe it's going to occur. You know, they're not really utilizing it. You see machine learning is like at 21% of companies. Predictive is only about 19% of companies. But the number one roadblock to really adopting an autonomous finance function is the mindset of the CFO. And they recognize that they've got to lead. They've got to change how they do things. The way that we look at technology is going to have to change. Um, and it'll be interesting because it's really going to take us up to that next level that we're really freeing 
our people to do what they're really good at. And again, just getting a lot of, you know, the programmable predictive um, activities off of people's plates. So I went 13 seconds over. Thank you, Brad Kalish. All right, I'll give somebody else an extra 13 seconds. Let's go to Brad Borkin. Brad in London, talk to us. Yes, this is a great show and just have fabulous um, comments already and, and predictions. So I'd like to pick up on some of the things that Carrie was saying and Sandy was saying uh, and introduce a new word into the conversation, which is resiliency. So I write books about people who are incredibly resilient uh, in the, the early Antarctic explorers and other people like that. And to me, in 2023, it's about trust, building trust within the workplace and building resiliency within the workers and within the organizations. Because what's going to happen now is people are realizing, or CEOs, executives are realizing that employees just can walk away from a job and go somewhere else. So we are in an unusual situation of low, uh, th there's low rates of unemployment. So high rates of employment, and everyone can just walk into any other, into any other sector if they're, in a, if they're in demand, if they're, they're a high quality employee. And this puts a whole new spin on how organizations are going to have to reward people, motivate people. And also, I think there's going to be a trend now moving away from profitability that we saw, like I having worked in high tech companies for my entire career, you saw, I saw companies going like, we have 20% profitability. Now we got to go to 22%, 25%, 23 and keep, and keep telling Wall Street that this is what we're going to do. Well, the way you do that is you drive down pay as one of the one of the ways you're getting, gaining that profitability well now workers are rebelling in a sense and you see this in the uk where where the trains are on strike train workers are on strike and everyone's applauding that you know and it totally disrupts life over here and yet at the same time everyone's in favor of somehow rebalancing and saying hey workers employees and big organizations need to get back to to uh being rewarded and companies are going to respond. I think we're going to see, start to see a trend towards building a, a new middle management as well. This very flat structure isn't as beneficial as, as, as it used to be or was a few years ago, because now all of a sudden we're not outsourcing everything. Now we're starting onshore things again. You're seeing this with Apple. You're seeing this with other, other organizations. So there's a lot of new trends that are, that are happening, but it's all about organizations being resilient, and people being resilient. And somehow that will all come together and, and build trust as well. And the only other thing I'd like to leave people with is this concept of passion and perseverance. I think that's gonna drive us all as well, that we're all seeking that passion in our work and, and that perseverance to get through whatever the, the world throws at us in the next few years. Thank you, Brad. Another another people focused. Very interesting about middle management. I know a lot of you were nodding and saying that's very interesting and about pay and how do you keep people engaged and keep a company resilient because the company is the people, right, Bill? Right, Chuck? The company is the people who work for it. It's not just a spreadsheet. It's not just not just a Brian. It's not just a, a P and L. It's whatever the people, whoever the people are. So let's move on. Jeffrey Castleman is up next. Jeffrey, talk to us. Hey, everybody. Bonnie, thanks for having me back on the show again. I appreciate it. Panelists, amazing content. I appreciate it. I'm being educated and enlightened and, and passionate, and I appreciate that. So thank you all uh, for your commentary. My world is really a mashup of real estate and energy and technology and innovation. And so my commentary will really follow those lines. 
Let me start with uh, the trend of decarbonization and electrification of everything. The decarbonization of everything leads to the electrification of everything. And my prediction for 2023 is an acceleration, a noticeable acceleration of that. Uh, I think what happened with FTX uh, and crypto is a shame. I'm surprised nobody's talked about it yet. But there is a silver lining, which is uh, in 2023, crypto and blockchain will be back with regulation and guardrails. It's too good of a business driver not to take the time um, to bring it back in a way that it's consumable at scale around the world. So you're, you're going to see more on that in a positive sense. I agree with a lot of the panelists. Automation hits a stride. You can do more with less. So for the workers, that's sort of a back to school reality check. Um, it's also going to lead to power shortages. In fact, that's going to be a theme in 2023. Um, 5G is going to hit a stride. Uh, there's a shortage of data center space. There's more data center space being uh, built, proposed, consumed, and all that is taking megawatt power uh, from the grid. Uh, and there's a shortage. It takes three or four years to deliver that back to the grid. Um, and so you're going to see that uh, as a challenge uh, in 2023. Uh, in the warehouse space, um, there's still strong demand due to consumer consumption. Uh, but because of capital markets, uh, the ability to build speculative buildings, not knowing who's going to lease them, has come to a screeching halt. And that's gonna last for a couple of years due to the market conditions, which means consumption will continue, but no replenishment of stock will occur. That will send lease prices up uh, and there's gonna be a problem in that warehouse space a couple of years down the road as supply chains continue uh, to evolve uh, and reshoring continues to be a trend. I think we're gonna see mild recession. I think we're already in it. It just hasn't been officially pronounced, mm -hmm. but I think it will be very short-lived. I think the recovery will be mild as well. I think you're going to see a little bit of bounce over the next couple of years. I think you're going to see uh, EV battery uh, breakthroughs, uh, not based on lithium ion, because lithium ion is not scalable over an extended period of time uh, for any number of, of physical and, and geopolitical realities. Uh, so you might see solid state or sodium based or graphene based uh, EV solutions. I think hydrogen will also um, potentially uh, rotate into the mix. I think in general, you'll see a string of uh, energy breakthroughs. Maybe you saw the news yesterday about the ability to harness fusion to create positive energy. Yeah. So while not, not ready for commercialization in 2023, you're going to see a string of breakthroughs just like that in 2023. Um, I think consumer experience will continue to become more experiential. Mm -hmm. I think some of the panelists talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, here's a big prediction for you. I think Twitter goes bankrupt in 2023. Um, and for the sports fans, for the football fans, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the world for football this year runs through the state of Michigan. University of Michigan is going to win the college football title, and the Lions are going to sneak into the back door of the playoffs and make noise for the first time in my lifetime. Who knows how far that goes? Uh, I'm going to finish with a quote because Bonnie likes quotes so much. Um, agree with me or not, just remember, it's stupid until it's smart. With that, Bonnie, I'm out. <laughs> oh, are you quoting somebody, or is this an iconic Jeffrey Castleman moment? This Jeff? is this is a Castleman moment. Oh, it's, I, I like that. I think somebody needs to. Uh, Charles, you need to. How about a new Enigma book around that quote? Okay, Charles. Charles, our oh. novelist. Oh yeah. I, I, th I think that'd be good. Okay, I'm going to predict that Bill Newman is next. Wine guy, you're up. Go ahead. Drink to Bill. 
Well, I'd, I'd love to just double click on some of the things that Jeffrey said around some of the EVs. So just, um, I think you're spot on, Jeff. But before I leave the whole car space, I just want to say that um, there's going to be a lot of policy that's going to drive that. But guess what? Even though we're demanding it, supply still becomes the issue. And that's actually one of the themes that I want to kick off with um, the conversation around the wine industry, because the wine industry is, is a value chain as well. And so we still have issues with supply demand. Um, so for those people who are sourcing glass, which is probably the majority of our wine is consumed in some level of a glass packaging, We'll get to that in a minute, but most of that glass actually comes from overseas. So there was a real significant issue and shortage uh, of bottles, right? And so as you reshore manufacturing, you're also reshoring packaging. I'll get, hold that thought. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, as it relates to inventory, for those of us who are wine enthusiasts and collectors, we compose less than 2% of all the wine consumed in North America. Most of the wine is is actually purchased and drank 98% of the time, the same day, sometimes the same hour. You go to the grocery <laughs> store, you come back, you pick it up. Um, so that's gonna have an impact on, on wine demand and focusing on some of those inventories, which is where I specialize around California, Oregon, Washington state. We had some significant climate impacts going back to 2020, which would normally be our vintage that we're releasing now. Um, I recently published the Oregon Wine Report uh, at stonewoodwine.com. Prior to that, the California Wine Report, we talked about the fires, you know, the fires that went into not just in and around the hills of Napa Valley, but into the floor, um, displaced people, uh, damaged structures, burned inventory, um, and as well over a million acres were burned in Oregon that same year, uh, up and around the Oregon's famous Willamette Valley. Um, what that's going to mean is, is that some producers are going to opt out of the vintage. Many have collected insurance uh, funding. But for those of us consumers, while we might not be able to get our 2020 Pinot or Napa Cab, we're going to have an opportunity to pick from a lot of other wines that are available in places like Santa Barbara, Temecula, Paso Robles. Um, and it's going to really give us an opportunity to try new things. Um, tasting preferences are shifting. So we're moving from the high alcohol, I'm stressed out, anxiety ridden pandemic times to bubbles. And what's wrong with drinking bubbles, right? Lower alcohol, a little bit more fun, more festive. What uh, plays into the humanistic thread here in this program. Love that. Very, very celebratory. Uh, but also lower alcohol wines, uh, a lot of European based uh, styles. And also, interestingly, um, natural wines that have less sulfites, um, it's a different taste preference, so you really have to kind of get comfortable with that. And finally, I mentioned packaging. So, um, you know, the 98% of us that actually do purchase and then drink our wine, we might be very interested to take that wine in a can go hiking in an unbreakable packaging, uh, as well as more sustainably oriented, larger packaging like box wine. Who would have thought? Uh, Tablas Creek, who was uh, frequented this show in the past, Bonnie, when we've had conversations around wine, won an award for their three liter um, 90 point wines that you can keep in your fridge. And this is way beyond the packaging that you would normally see in the in the grocery stores, but having wine on tap 
good 90.1 wine on tap in a biodegradable package, now we're getting somewhere. So um, I'm over time, but uh, just want to cheers to the rest of the team here. And thanks for the opportunity to chit chat about wine. Thank you very much. Don Deloach dropped off and he's our last speaker. I know he was having some audio problems. So in advance, we have quite a few minutes left. The timing is wonderful and everybody has behaved so well in terms of your three and a half minutes. I'm hoping Don will join back. I think I scared him. I said, you are next and he dropped, but he'll be back. He's a, he's a trooper and, uh, and I appreciate Don. So I, I don't have any predictions from him in advance, but let's hope that he joins back in. And so let's, what I'd like to do is Bill, speaking of the theme of drinks, I I will tell you that I went to, and I'm in Tennessee now, and I, 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 what I tell people is that Don's back. I tell people that I was looking at the map, Brad, and I wanted to move to London, and I tilted my head, and the N in London turned into a U, and I ended up in Loudoun, Tennessee. Let's get Don back. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's lovely here. I'll tell you more later. At the social last night, all the door prizes were baskets of wine from various local vendors, and Bill, what can I tell you? Don, are you back with us? Here you go. We're ready for you. Don, 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 waiting. If there we go. Okay, Don, yeah. you're up. Are you okay. me? We are predictions. You're up. My go ahead. Crashed. Uh, Jeff is uh, contagious. There you uh, go. You're up. Three minutes. You're all okay. yours. Yeah. Uh, so the main one is is really also about the metaverse, uh, and it's really that <clears throat> it, we're going to pick up steam in terms of people recognizing that the metaverse is not just a passing fad, but it's kind of the real deal. Uh, if you look at AR, VR, XR and really digital twins, uh, it's. Yeah, Don's having problems. We'll try to get him back or I'll publish them separately. I'll see what's happening. I think, yeah, his computer crashed again. I thought it was me. I was like, that's very silent all of a sudden. Let's go around the table and see what people, we have We have six minutes left. That's an eons in, in the uh, online broadcast business. Sandy, I'm hoping Zoom doesn't go away anytime soon because there's no way I could get to meet all of you in person, putting your bums in chairs in my office or here in my, my town. Uh, by the way, Tennessee is, is an absolutely beautiful place to live, and I'm very, very happy to move here, but we'll talk about that later. Let's go around. What are your favorite holiday choices for beverages? I'm going to go in the original list, and let's see if we can keep this quick. Chuck Byers, what's on your beverage list for a holiday? Oh, it's uh, it's a Wisconsin tradition to drink brandy old fashions, but to spritz them up a little for the holidays, I take the usual uh, Aristoga bitters and simple syrup, and I change the simple syrup to grenadine, which is a pomegranate syrup, and it gives it a little kind of a, a cranberryish color and this really complex taste. And I just love it. I drink a couple a day. <laughs> red is good. Red. This is dark red right now. Let's go to, uh, yeah, Don's trying to reach me on the phone here. Let's go to Carrie Brown. What's on your beverage list for briefly? Well, I'm, I'm on the Bill Newman champagne train for sure. That is, that is absolutely where I like to play. A champagne cocktail is lovely at Christmas time, but to be really festive, eggnog, since I live in Georgia now, a mix of not only rum, but add bourbon shaken with some fresh nutmeg on top. That's when that happens when the tree goes up. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. When's the tree going up? Is it almost time? Uh, this weekend will be some extra tree doing. So there'll be some rum and eggnog with some bourbon in there as well this weekend. Okay. I've already tried the Southern Comfort brand of eggnog from my local. I'm shopping in Food Lion here. There's not much around. You're in the middle of nowhere here. Well, sort of. Uh, we're, we're outside of Knoxville and it's quite a drive. Two lane highways, very few roads with lighting at night. Don't even ask. I did my first Make night drive. I, I will. I absolutely will. You'll send me a good recipe. Navjeet, what's on your beverage list for the holidays? Uh, very simple. I'm on the same train. 
Champagne, champagne, and champagne. That's what I got. <laughs> Thank you very much. Charles Brakefield, what are you drinking this holiday? Wow, I wasn't thirsty until I got onto this call. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, yes. Um, I like uh, I, I like starting off with a little bit of a Pinot Noir and then uh, drift on to a nice Chardonnay. Um, you know, so the uh, um, you know, Bill's comments about uh, everything out of a box. I, Bill, I got I got a protest. I, I just got past the uh, the uh, not being able to use a, a cork a, a, anymore, and, and the, the, the twist tops are, are like I, I just got past that, and you're telling me box wines. Um, Dude, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to need therapy to be able to deal with that one. Well, you know, if, if you if you want if you want 50 percent off on three liters of wine and it's 90 points because it comes in a box, you get over that real fast, and it stays for a month because of the way it's designed. So, Charles, if you need therapy, 50 percent. Did I hear 50 percent? I get I get past that in a hurry. I mean, at 50 percent, 90.1. Charles, if you need therapy, I think Sandy can recommend somebody good. Sandy, you're up. What are you drinking this? holiday i tell you what bill is the winner i have got to say champagne 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 and there's so much dietary pressure right now for women over 50 to give up alcohol as a part of their like postmenopausal resilience which i just can't do i'm never breaking up with the real bubbles but i love that there are so many non-alcoholic champagnes hitting the market that taste good so it doesn't doesn't have to be alcoholic. You can still have bubbles and have just as much joy as when it when it's got the fermentation. There you go, Brian Kalish. Drink. So for drink, I just wanted to reinforce what Bill said about bottles. I cannot get any imported beer in the Washington D.C. area. Can't get Newcastle. Can't get Ephes from Greece. It's all bottles. So and I've noticed the number of cans is exploding. So it really. Quick, but quick. as far far as the drink, as far as the drink, it's what we have now called a white old-fashioned and what it is is if you get good tequila good sipping tequila just over a big cube of ice and sip it and it's perfect and it's not drinking shots or anything like that we we, we dubbed it a, a white old-fashioned thank you very much brad quickly what are you drinking so i have to go for shackleton whiskey so it's related to the early expeditions and on december 28th i'm flying to going to antarctica and new year's eve be sailing through the beagle channel towards wow. Antarctica. Wow. Safe Does. trip. I have to go to Jeffrey. What are you drinking? We're almost out of time. Uh, simple Manhattan, Maker's Manhattan, maybe a smoky Manhattan. Switch to a glass of Willamette Pinot, onto a glass of Cab and a chaser of coffee with Bailey's. I think we just got the whole drink menu there. I want to remind everybody to check out our sponsor, NordPass.com, N-O-R-D-P-A-S-S.com, forward slash future, F-U-T-U-R-E, and the code word just for people who are on my show, who are listening, who are watching, is F-U-T-U-R-E, future, NordPass, N-O-R-D-P-A-S-S.com, slash future. I want to thank them for sponsoring. I have a big virtual hug for all of you. Don Deloche, I, I know you're somewhere, and we're so sorry that your computer crashed out on you, but we'll we'll get you on another prediction show because your input is always valuable. So I want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to Andrew, my engineer at Voice America. And everybody, I want you to raise your finger and on the count of three, you're going to say no, no, no. People say the future is already here and we say no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet and we're all going to make it a better one. Bonnie D signing out. We'll be back on January 4th with part three of my crystal ball predictions. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 
Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 